Welcome in to Two Four Drafts. Austin Gale here with my guy Mike Renner, ready to rip it up. Got ten bold predictions on rookies entering the 2020 season. Going to preview the college football week one, a little what's on tap, and then I sat down with not you. I sat down with the Ringers, Danny Kelly. Can you tell the people, Mike, why you weren't able to make that interview? Yes, I have pink eye. You can kind of if you're watching YouTube right now, you can probably see I'm recovering. I'm seven days in right now. Yesterday, though, it was pretty bad. A pink eye survivor. Uh, It was rough. And contrary to what you might say, it wasn't from eating ass. It was from, (laughs) I think I was from petting a dog. No one was I haven't eaten ass in like weeks. So it definitely wasn't from that. Jeez. Uh, A dog. I don't know if that's better or worse. (laughs) I got to be honest. I Uh, met a new dog. His name was Tucker. He's a great guy. He's a little uh, golden Sounds great. (laughs) It was. But it gave me pink eye, I think. Because that's common. Apparently, I I was looking it up because it obviously sucked. uh, And it's common to get it from when you meet a new dog. I don't know how common it is because it hasn't happened to me. <laughs> but uh, if we're self-degrading, I look more homeless than usual because I moved into a new apartment recently mm-hmm. and there's a washer and dryer single unit. So it washes and dries your clothes in the same Which I've bit, never heard of. Which I've never heard of. I thought I didn't have a dryer when I moved into the new place. I put my clothes in there and they're in there for three hours and 45 minutes. I'm fucking... That should have been your first sign. I was like, what is going on? I've never used one of these before. Whatever. I, I come out. I got you know, a handful of clothes. All of them are shrunk to like toddler size that dog size probably so now i i have like eight pieces of clothing that still survived so uh, i apologize for that um but i mean you didn't come on this podcast to hear about pink eye and trunk and clothes you came on the pod to talk a little bit of football specifically let's start with tyler shelvin and jamar chase before we get into the bold rookie predictions i want to bring up jamar chase and tyler shelvin both of the lsu standouts opting out of the 2020 season start with jamar chase i feel like this one was very obvious yeah, these guys could not have been on more different ends of the spectrum in terms of like who should have been opting out here. Jamar Chase might be might have of all players in college football the most, you know, should have opted out. Like mm-hmm. he should have opted out and nothing to do with like coronavirus. Just like if it was an option for him not to play this season, like there was no raising his draft stock after what he did last year. Yep. Twenty touchdowns, led the nation in touchdowns, receiving yards, deep catches, deep receiving yards. Like he did it all for LSU. He was only going to regress statistically. Obviously, he could have, you know, probably was going to improve physically in what he actually does on the football field, but the stats weren't going to show it. And so his draft stock at an all-time high, wins the Blitnikoff, whatever, there was no, you know, there was a lot of things that could have happened this fall for him. Most of them were bad. Not a lot of them were going to make him, you know, go up draft board. So I think he's solidified in the top five, top ten. Whoever needs a wide receiver there, it's going to be Jamar Chase. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think the, the biggest thing for me is the Joe Burrow not being there. You're not going to outproduce what you did last year. You showed that you have the speed. You showed that you have the physicality to beat top flight talent in the SEC. He didn't have much more to prove. And I was on a radio hit recently. I think it was for New Orleans or something. And they asked me, you know, with Jamar Chase opting out, do you think these guys that really feel confident after their, you know, let's say redshirt freshman or true sophomore seasons, do you think? Even beyond the pandemic, even going into 2021 and 2022, you'll see guys like Jamar Chase opting out of that third year, you know, third year of eligibility or third year in the NCAA to make sure they don't get hurt and to better prepare for the combine and all those things. I didn't have a good answer. I thought I thought it made more sense for potentially the NFL to bring down the rule they had to be there for three years and rather than two, because if it does start mm-hmm. to happen, because I could see it being a, a likely scenario for guys like Jamar Chase in the future, I think the NFL changes that rule before you start to see 10, 20, 30-plus guys opting out of their final seasons. Yeah, I think you could see a rule change coming here soon, especially if like the XFL comes in and starts poaching these guys. Yep. Uh, out of college football and, and into you know professional football starts paying these guys, but I don't think you're going to see that become a trend without coronavirus. People just skipping that third season because one, I don't think you know just from you know the training that it takes to go to the combine that sort of thing. I'm not sure you're reducing your injury risk that much depending on your position. Yeah. Like we see guys like Jeffrey Simmons, we see guys all the time in the pre-draft process have suffer serious injuries and get hurt uh, just from the training that it takes. You know. That sort of thing, the off-field uh, like training and lifting and sprinting and those things and not playing football. I think playing football keeps your body in a certain shape that if you skip a whole year, it's not going to be it's not going to be great for your, you know, it's not necessarily going to make you healthier in 2021, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. So uh, I don't think that's going to become a trend that we'll see. Interesting. All right, we'll talk about Tyler Shelvin. You said he's on the opposite spectrum of Jamar Chase. I saw somewhere, or you saw somewhere, that he's 375 pounds. Edward Orgeron said that. 
Really? After yeah, after he left. So he, that's yesterday. This was I don't Tuesday. know if that's good. That's I mean, too much. I know that's not good. Yeah, that's, that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> you should never be 375 pounds at defensive tackle. You were not. You just you aren't going to be explosive enough. I know I said a key two gap, but now he's on that three gap range, <laughs> and you're kind of just laying him he down in front both of the guards <laughs> and the center at once. He might eat one of the guards. <laughs> like that in and of itself is a red flag to me mm-hmm. because that means he's not in control of his weight. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it, yes. To get, he's a naturally large human being. You don't get to that size unless you're just born big. Like mm-hmm. some guys are just born far bigger than the rest of us. But to get to 375 pounds when he's only 6'3", he's not Mekhi Becton. He's not 6'7". Yeah. He's not that 6'3", size. 6'3", 375 is an absolute unit. And he has, I mean, he's a kind of guy, if he got to down to like 315, he would be explosive. He would look like a Kenny Clark at nose tackle instead of what he looked like last year, which is just, the dude's never pushing the pocket. He looks like Vince Wilfork the last year. Vince Wilfork, you know, played in the NFL. Where it's in just the like, overalls, yeah. Or it's just he's he's not. You're not going to move him backwards, but he's also not going to move you move you backwards. You're mm-hmm. just going to stalemate every single yeah. time because he's that big. He's just kind of an immovable force there. So, to me, if he would have showed up this year, lighter, leaner, could have pushed his way into the first round. I, I just I think NFL teams realize that a guy who's going to play 500 snaps a year, like Shelvin will at 350 pounds. Is just not worth a first round pick. This isn't a Dexter Lawrence situation where he's that, but also mm-hmm. running a five, you know, because he didn't 40, produce as a pass rusher this past exactly. year. He did not six have pressures. high, yeah, he all, only had six pressures all last year, a low PFF pass rushing grade, and something that you kind of expect when you turn on the tape, too. I mean, he's very good against the run, but was not necessarily explosive, not pushing the pocket consistently. You add some more weight to that boy, and I don't know necessarily you're going to get that much better as a pass rusher. All right, let's jump off the opt outs here and dive into your bold rookie predictions. To read all 10, go ahead and go to pff.com and check it out what i'm going to do i'm going to read the prediction you explain it a little bit and i'm going to agree or disagree mm-hmm. with its prediction starting with number one L, you know former lsu quarterback joe burrow finishes as a top 10 graded quarterback according to pff when it's all said and done I after this season <laughs> i have zero no uh i i think with the receiving weapons he has and just with how good he was last season now nfl ready he is i'm not sure we've seen I, I, I'll just say it. We haven't seen in our six years of grading college football a more NFL-ready quarterback. He ran an NFL offense. Like, the that offense is being run in Carolina this year. was run in New Orleans to some degree. It wasn't obviously the same as New Orleans, but it was run in New Orleans before that. He was running an NFL offense with NFL wide receivers, a lot of empty sets, a lot of NFL pass protections, and he was, you know, in charge of those things. To me, he is the most NFL-ready quarterback, and his accuracy, his level of accuracy, unlike anything we've seen again, I think he hits the ground running and all reports from Bengals campus. He's hit the ground running and he has the type of receivers to be a top 10 graded quarter quarterback offensive line, different story altogether. Jonah Williams could, you know, help out a little bit if he comes back in year two and is very good. But I still believe that just from how good he was last year and who he did it against, he's going to be a top 10 graded quarterback. I, I think there are too many questions or like if this happens scenarios for Joe Burrow to finish in the top 10. I do agree that the receiving core is great, but no guarantees if AJ Green can stay healthy. He's been injury prone for a while. He even has a hamstring tightness in camp. And then in addition to that, Tyler Boyd working from the slot and T Higgins, we'll see how much he can do as a rookie. John Ross has not lived up to expectation. The well, offensive line. He was on pace for a thousand yards last year before he got hurt. The offensive line is a joke. Jonah Williams coming back as good as we, you know, as much as we liked him, a first round pick coming back after off an injury like that is it's going to be very difficult for him to produce. Wait, wait did you see the one highlight of him? From I camp? did see the one <laughs> highlight of him, and I'm excited that he can block that's all Sam I need, Hubbard. That's all I need to see. I'm glad Sam Hubbard isn't beating him to a pulp in that practice. Been, yeah. But th- there's a question mark there. Oh, yeah. Right tackle is a question mark. I-, I think so much has to go right, right for this offense. Yeah, <laughs> so much has to go right for this offense outside of Joe Burrow. For him to finish top 10. Wow, I do feel confident that he's the most NFL-ready quarterback prospect we've seen in a while. The accuracy will be maintained. He's done it against good competition. He's not going to have the support that he had at LSU. He had a freaking dream team at LSU, and I don't think the Bengals are in the same spot. Let's jump to this next one. I think you wrote this before he went down with the labrum injury, mm-hmm. trying to tackle somebody on an interception, yeah, which is only something Joe Judge would probably have his receivers doing. I'm surprised that this even happened. Jalen Rager has 12-plus deep reception so 20 plus air yards and three plus 50 yard touchdowns oh and yeah i've already whiffed on that with injury these are like without injury yeah of course of course of course you didn't freaking predict injuries plus is what terry terry mclaurin had 12 deep receptions last year 
So I think he matches that three plus 50 yard touchdowns. That was like what Tyreek Hill had as a rookie. That's the type of explosive athlete he is. All and he's running every single position there for the Eagles in camp. They're not putting him at uh, any certain you know they're not putting him in the slot, not putting him outside like JJ Arcega Whiteside's been their outside receiver. They're lining him up everywhere depending on the play call. And I just think when you have a guy that fast and that sort of speed, it's difficult to account for when you don't know where he's going to be. When you have you know when the possibility of him getting matched up on a safety with Rager having four three speed and that safety maybe running a four six just a nightmare for opposing defenses and with Carson Wentz where he excels down the football field so I think it's a match made in heaven fortunately the labrum injury might yeah. limit that but I still think you see a good rookie season from Rager Wentz back I don't think it's being talked about enough that the Eagles are interested in using him all over because at TCU they almost exclusively played him at right receiver and never you know really tempted playing him in the slot or even out of the backfield and try and get creative with his usage Doing that with him is very important. Like getting creative with a guy that explosive and his, you know, positional alignment, I think is super important. I hope he comes back from injury and you're able to see some of the success there. What is your opinion? A little two for here. JJ Ortega Whiteside getting some hype coming out of camp. Are you What's excited? Where where are you at right now you mentally? Know where I'm at. No, I'm excited. And the he uh, the thing I love is that he even said he said like rookie year was not acceptable. He was not as good as he should have been. It was the first time in his career he ever had to deal with injuries and he didn't you know react as well as he thought he should have. Mm-hmm. And obviously recognize that that was a problem. Obviously, I'm a fan of any guy who recognizes that they were themselves a problem and that they had things to improve upon. And I think the fact that he did that is showing now in year two that he has a much much better rapport with Carson Wentz and all by all accounts he is been their number one receiver in training camp. Number three, bold prediction, Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts finishes top three in rushing yards. The only concern I have with this one, because I I believe in the player and I believe in what he could do after contact, all of these things, is the volume. Like it, If he gets the carries to do it, he'll do it. But if Marlon Mack and Naheem Himes you know, take too much of his offensive yeah. snap share, then I don't think it's possible. But if he does get the load, if he gets the load, I, I think it's going to be big for him. <laughs> um <laughs> Plus, uh, so the thing to me, Marlon Mack averaged what four point four yards per carry last year behind a top five offensive line in the NFL. Like Marlon Mack cannot hold Jonathan Taylor's jock from a talent perspective. Like this, can he hold his load? No, he can't hold anything that Jonathan Taylor has on him from a talent perspective. Jonathan Taylor ran a sub four four forty, two hundred twenty seven pounds. Marlon Mack was you know four five something at two hundred nine. Marlon Mack has just never been. A dominant rusher, J- Jonathan Taylor over above expectation. Yeah, exactly, like never gone above and beyond. Jonathan Taylor, three hundred plus carries every single year at Wisconsin. Not every single year, over averaged over three hundred yards, three hundred carries. Excuse me, per season at Wisconsin, and they drafted him what thirty fifth over, like in the top fifty. Mm-hmm. He's going to get the bulk of the carries. Yeah. It, like it'll end up like he. There's no question about workload with him. He can handle it, and he's behind one of the best offensive line in the NFL, much, much faster, much, much better home run threat than Marlon Mack. To me, this one's a no-brainer. I think he ends up getting the bulk of the carries there. That would be big for him. And I think if he does get, you know, 250, 300-plus carries, you're going to see him get over 1,000 yards. I mean, behind that offensive line, it'd be hard not to. Number four, three rookies go over 1,000-plus rushing yards. So obviously adding in with Jonathan Taylor uh, for the first time since 2008. Yes. I think this, I mean, this rookie, that speaks to how good this rookie running back class really was. And in my eyes, there was like a tier of about six. I think I said this during draft season, maybe five or six, depending on how you view Antonio Gibson. I, I, I would put him in that tier. I think he's that talented. But just of guys who are true starting, you know, elusive running backs in the NFL, that like you can give the bulk of the carries to and should be starting from day one. They were obviously, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. I thought uh, the Utah running back who I'm – names escape me that i never remember names on okay <laughs> went to the bills i thought him as well we got zach moss zach moss it just came to me and then antonio gibson I, I thought those guys were damn near interchangeable in terms of they're just all at a similar level in my eyes in terms of talent uh and i think you see taylor clyde Hilaire, and acres at least in a situation right now where they're going to get the bulk of the carries i think uh and then if any of those other guys jk dobbins obviously gets in there as well uh I think you could see this at least being three guys over a thousand yards, even though, you know, we're a passing league now. I think you're going to see 
just how talented this running back class was. I think with Taylor, I have questions about the volume. How much okay. is Marlon Mack and Naheem Himes going in there? With with Cam Akers, I, I, I put him right in that category where he's going to get the volume. Same with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think of those three guys, I think Hilaire has the most opportunity to be a 1,000-yard rusher. I'd say Cam Akers is second because almost near guaranteed volume, but that offensive line in Los Angeles is gross. And when we talk to Danny, Ke- T- Danny Kelly later, not you, just me, due to the pink eye, um, he talks about Cam Akers and the volume he's going to see and the opportunity he has and how good he was dealing with a bad offensive line at Florida State, all this stuff. But that Rams offensive line is really bad. I could see that hurting him. And as for... And bad, so I'll say is bad college offensive lines do not compare to bad no, NFL offensive no. lines. The mismatch like, is so much more Yeah, bad so much college steeper. offensive lines, like guys will like lose their blocks, but you're not getting a lot of penetration in the backfield just because college defensive lines don't have a lot of athletes that can get into the backfield. That when you get in the pros and you're behind a bad offensive line, especially on the interior, in your face immediately when you're getting the handoff. And so it's just a little bit different. All right. No rookie tight end gets over 400 yards for the first time since 2014. That's bold. I like that. This one's, I thought this one was tame. Really? This one speaks to, I just don't think this is a good rookie tight end class. class. No, that's true, actually. Thinking more about when when you look at the rosters, there's one guy that's starting at tight end in this rookie class. Devin Devin Asias. That, that's it. And yes, he could go for over 400 yards. I don't know what that New England passing offense is or just what that New England offense is going to look like with Cam Newton. But I just don't think this is a talented tight end class. This was not the year I wanted to be drafting a tight end. And with none of them starting, I just don't think you're going to see a lot of production from them. What position. about Cole Komet? Cole Komet was drafted highly. Jimmy Graham is the most impressive guy for Bears camp, though. Jeez, I so. can't believe they made that pick for Cole Komet. I mean, they could have gotten so much better on the defensive side of the ball. There's still a ton of talent on the board. To add yeah. Cole Komet when you have Jimmy Graham and you have other weapons there, well, I just like didn't think it made sense. tried so much to get good play out of Trubisky. Mm-hmm. It's not going to come from adding more weapons at no, this point. No. It's going to come from like Allen Robinson is here. one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. Exactly, like and Anthony you can't take Miller advantage. is very good as well. And you got and you had Jimmy Graham. They had signed Jimmy Graham before they drafted Cole Komet. Now, obviously, that's a short term play versus a long term play. And if you really think he is a good developmental tight end, whatever by all means. But again, I, I don't think adding more weapons is what's going to push Trubisky over the hump. It's going to have to come from. Within. Uh, with it. It's going to have to come from within. <laughs> Number six, and I think this is one of your more tame ones. It's Michael Pittman Jr., the Indianapolis Colts receiver out of USC, leads all rookies in receptions. Who else? I, I know T.Y. Hilton's there, but I yeah. think you're going to see Phillip Rivers pepper this kid. I mean, he's a big-bodied, contested catch receiver, catches everything thrown his way. I don't think he has the dynamism of a T.Y. Hilton, mm-hmm. but I think he has dynamism, great word. a lot of consistency. Yeah. Like he, he is one of the more consistent, and I feel like, dependable rookie receivers. Other guys have explosiveness and have seen flashes of fantastic play, but Pittman, you saw every week really stay consistent from a hands perspective, contested catches. I'm all in on Michael Pittman Jr. leading the NFL rookies in receptions. And the other thing was this stat I found interesting. I I don't even know if you can call this a stat, but the smallest smallest 1,000-yard receiver Phillip Rivers has ever thrown to is Keenan Allen. Oh, wow. 6'2", 210 is the smallest one. You got guys like Vincent Jackson who have gone off 1,000 yards. Mike Williams, obviously. Uh, like, he has thrown to big receivers, Antonio Gates as well. Like, that's who he targets. He likes the big body guys with the catch radius over the middle of the field. And I think that's going to be Michael Pittman in that offense. T.Y. Hilton, yes, I think we'll have a good season. This T.Y. Hilton very well would likely be also, you know, his smallest 1,000 yard receiver after this year. I'm not putting this on T.Y. Hilton that he's going to have a bad year. I just think that the rapport that Philip Rivers and Michael Pittman will have is going to be like that. I just think he's going to build that early in his career with a guy like Philip Rivers because that's who he likes throwing to. This is another very tame or tame prediction. 2020 rookie class has fewer 800 plus yard receivers than 2019. Is it tame? Well, last year there's so many good receivers and so many had good. But volume. everyone said that this is the best since 14. I know, it, but from a talent perspective, class. yes. But I don't see the same like opportunity for okay. these, this upcoming rookie class. Like AJ Brown is instantly like the best receiver on the Titans. Terry McLaurin, best receiver on uh, the Washington Redskins, now the football team. Debo Samuel it had w- was easily the best receiver on the San Francisco yeah. 49ers. I don't see a lot of rookies coming in and they're easily the clear-cut number one wideout like we did with the, that group. So there were four last year. There were four guys last year. 2014, I believe, had five. There's never been more than two since two, in any other season since 2006. So that, that was rare. Yeah. You have that many 800-plus yard receivers. It just doesn't happen usually in the NFL. But I, I do think with how good this receiving class is, that, that kind of 
like you saying that there, there are guys who are in good situations. Michael Pittman's still in a good situation. Uh, I think Justin Jefferson's in a good situation. He's a clear cut number two in that offense uh, in an offense that really only uses two wide receivers. Uh, I think CeeDee Lamb is in a high volume passing offense. He's very talented. Jerry Judy's a clear cut number two. Henry Ruggs, uh, a clear cut. I don't even, I don't even know what the, with the Raiders. I don't know who Derek Carr is. He's a clear cut number but, one. But, yeah, but like he is going to be on the field every single game. So I do think there are guys with who will have opportunities. But yeah, like I said, in our yards is a lot like guys do not as much as we love you know rookies and you pimp them up all spring and you get so excited about what they can do to your football team there just aren't a lot of guys that make big impacts year one so i mm-hmm. do think that you will see fewer this season according to pfs fantasy projections which are built by a combination of kevin cole and eric eager the rookie currently projected to have the most targets and most receiving yards is cd lamb of the dallas cowboys at 859 and 96 targets that is um, impressive after that shortly after that's henry ruggs 83 targets 700 receiving yards i i think cd lamb's going to cook in that offense with how talented you know obviously amari cooper and michael gallup are i think dak prescott is going to have a big year mike mccarthy coming in fresh off a very good office visit here in Cincinnati yeah. to PFF. Changes life. I, <laughs> but I, I, I'm with you on this one. I think it's it's a tame prediction. I, I don't see that many rookie receivers getting over 800 yards. Number eight, Jalen Johnson, the Chicago Bears cornerback, one of my favorite picks in the draft and easily my favorite pick for the Bears, will be the highest graded rookie corner. And I oh. think, so I saw a report that He's ready. Some someone in Bears camp was saying he's ready. He, he has instincts. He's, he gets it, you know. And that's yeah. exactly what you saw at Utah. The guy gets it. Yeah. He understands route anticipation and diagnosing plays quickly mm-hmm. and when to when to click and close, when to chase like legit ball production, force you know forcing completions and interceptions. And that's how you're going to grade well. One, you can't give up big plays. And this guy allowed the lowest pass rating of any cornerback in the class on passes of ten plus yards, ten plus air yards. The- Two. Yeah. He's going to get a ton of hands on the ball. Yeah. I mean, on the, on the on the passes. You love getting your hands on the ball. But he, the thing about, you touched on it there, that I'm saying he's going to be the number one cornerback, is that he would take chances when he could take a chance, but was not like was not getting torched deep because he, he was not taking bad chances uh, on like double moves and stuff. You did not see him get burned a lot on that this past year. You saw it back as a sophomore, but not as much as past year. And I think the tape study... Uh, the amount that he puts in and the way he sees the game is going to translate quickly to the NFL. Those sort of things are the guys you like right out the gate. Maybe he's not as physically gifted as some of the other cornerbacks in this class, and that's why he fell to the second round. But I do think the way he plays the game will translate immediately to the NFL, especially to that Bears scheme where he's playing a lot of off, gets to see things in front of him for the most part. I just think he's going to be, uh, like I said, the highest grade quarter, rookie cornerback. Uh, on that note, uh, I talked to Danny Kelly about this, and we'll get to that interview. And then there's no one in shortly. his way, absolutely, with Artie Burns going yeah. out of um, On that note, I talked to Danny Kelly about this. Prince of Mukamura released from the Las Vegas Raiders. Damon Arnett expected to start opposite of Trayvon Mullen. What are your thoughts on Damon Arnett in a starting role outside in the NFL in 2020? I think he could be good right out the gate. I'm not, I, 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 said I on didn't offense. like the pit. <laughs> I, I didn't like the pick, but he was, you know, I didn't like to pick because he was old, but he was also very good last year. Like mm-hmm. he was very in an NFL ready scheme. Like that's Ohio State cornerbacks hit the ground running. I just worried about is he going to get any better at this point? I, I thought that was about who he was, and he has really good ball skills. I think it's going to be a physical outside cornerback uh, duo. The thing I worry about there is uh, Paul Gunther, the defense coordinator. Right? It's Paul Gunther. Yeah. Right? Okay. Paul Gun- Gunther, defense coordinator. He's a quarters. Uh, too high safety type of coach mm-hmm. that's not taking advantage those are press corners Trayvon yeah. Mullen and uh, Damon Arnett that's what they did all throughout their college careers you play those guys in off quarters I just don't think you're taking advantage of their skill set so I, that's the worrisome thing for me and I, I think uh, a lot of people are putting you know Paul Gunther on the hot seat this year uh, and if they don't get better results than they did last year that well, rightfully so I think I think it goes one of two ways with Arnett. I think it's either a disaster, he gives up a ton of big plays, or he ends up grading really well because he is physical. He does show up in the run game. He does tackle. I think that aggressiveness, playing things in front of him, you could see him have good ball production, therefore a ton of positive grade plays. Number nine, Cameron Dantzler will be the second highest graded rookie corner right after Jalen Johnson. I love this. I love Dantzler a ton. It, it wasn't until the combine that really everyone was like, oh man, why is his arm so, why are his arms so short and why is he so slow? And then you get to the tools and you're like, I don't know if he can hang, but the production and the tape was good. Yeah. I mean, no cornerback looked better against Jamar Chase last year than him. He was quite easily the best. You, you had Trayvon Diggs drafted a full round ahead of him 
get just slapped around by Jamar Chase. Cameron Dancer looked night and day different. And, and that's when you go up against good competition, those carry more weight in the evaluation process. should carry more weight in the evaluation process. And so the fact that he did not get you know torched and was sticking and had a pass break up and a go around against Jamar Chase, that was impressive. And yes, he was slow, but that was never on tape. There was no point where I was like, Okay, yeah, he's gonna run a little slow. Like he just didn't. It didn't. He played a lot faster than that forty time, yeah. and then he had that fake forty time that was like a four two seven. Or I think whatever. it was a four one. Okay, yeah, he, he 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 went, and then like you hand timed it, and it actually was like the force. It was just ridiculous all, all around. That that uh, and then Adam Schefter tweeted it. Like I don't know. I I'm trying to black out the draft process from last year because that was early coronavirus stuff. But I just think that his on field warranted a much higher draft slot. He goes to a scheme where Mike Zimmer, I think is very apt for his skill set there. So I, I, all, all that really needs, he needs at this point is just playing time. Like, is he going to see the field with Mike Hughes, Holton Hill and Jeff Gladney on the fold there? I don't know, but based off of reports and training camp, he should, because he looked, he sounds like he was their best cornerback there. Training camp propaganda. Let Mm -hmm. me mind you. Uh, Number 10, uh, outside of the teams that picked quarterbacks, the Lions draft class will finish the highest in PFF wins above replacement or PFF war in 2019. They ended up grabbing the 28th, 40th, and 74th ranked players on PFF's big board. Yes. A lot better. I did not Those love the TJ be... Hawkinson pick a year ago, but I feel like this year, DeAndre Swift adding, getting added to the mix. Obviously, Jeffrey Akuda. Like, this is going to be a, a, a good draft class. I think they started hot and, and continue to do that. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the boldest of takes. They had the third overall pick. Fair. And so, and they had a lot of draft capital. But, and, you, and you took out the two quarterbacks, yeah. And yeah, and I took out one of the teams ahead of them. So, I, I do think, though, the guys they got are impact guys right away. Okuda, and I think Jonah Jackson, going to start right away and be good players. I think Julian Aquara could start right away. For them at outside linebacker, DeAndre Swift obviously going to start right away, I believe, over Kerryon Johnson, or at least Kerryon Johnson with all his injuries. He'll be starting soon. Swift is battling an injury, though, right now, too. So we'll see how that ends up. And then I also think Quintez Cephas ends up their slot receiver in that offense, and I think he'll be productive in that. So I do think that they had a lot of impact guys, and they're going to need to make an impact because everyone's hopping on board the Lions to the playoffs train. I don't necessarily see it, uh, but I do think that they're going to get a big impact. People are just really in love with Matthew Stafford maintaining what he did last last year across a full season. If he does that, I'm on board with them making the playoffs. It's a 17 playoff next year, Mike. I mean, it's seven teams make playoffs. Mm -hmm. I I could see if Matthew Stafford plays as well or 80% of what he played last. He was the number one graded quarterback from a clean pocket through the first nine weeks. Top in air yards, all this stuff. However... It's easier said than done yeah. to expect Matthew Stafford to like maintain that level of play across a full season. So. I, I worry more defense side of the ball. Oh, really? I mean, they're schematically on defense. You, you, you hear we've Deva- had the, we've you had hear, the conversations. You hear Devonte Adams say, uh, "Oh gosh, if you if you've not what seen about this, what have you not seen, have you seen the Devonte Adams video on YouTube where he talks about uh, his releases? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Routes and Brian Baldinger's like, uh, you so you know here that when the guy follows you." Uh, that it's man coverage, right? And Devontae's like, yeah, that's they they never uh, they never disguise it. And I'm just like, and Darius Slade quote tweeted never, that and yeah. said, yeah, that's true. We didn't disguise anything. <laughs> oh, we and never did disguise it. Some of the off air, com- we interviewed yeah. Damon Snacks Harrison earlier in the year, and some of the stuff he told us off the podcast is like insane. It's yeah. insane well, regarding my that. Buddy Nick used to play there. Yeah, Nick Ballor. So. I've heard some stories there. It's incredible what's going on on the defensive side of the ball for Detroit. All right, that's going to do it for the 10 bold predictions. We're going to quickly do a what's on tap segment where we preview college football week one. we got to run through this quickly, Mike, and then let's get to that interview with Danny Kelly from the ringer. Starting with Thursday, this looks bleak, man. I know you're trying to highlight a matchup here, but you have Central Arkansas at UAB, South Alabama. it looks bleak. We have a what's on tap, all right? It didn't look like we would always have a what's on tap. What's on tap? Absolute garbage. We're drinking at least. (laughs) What's on tap? Um, (laughs) Non-alcoholic PBRs is what it looks like. This is the new Heineken that's zero alcohol. Oh, no. Stop. Zero alcohol. All right. Uh, Central Arkansas at UAB and South Alabama at Southern Mist. What should we be watching? What should we be drinking on Thursday? One, how crazy is it that Central Arkansas is going to play two games before pretty much you know 100% of the FBS plays like one it's crazy uh, awesome for them they're getting a lot of a lot of shine in the national spotlight our but, bears but robert rochelle the guy that pretty much anyone everyone talked about if you watched them play austin p yeah. last week 
zero catches on one target also had a pi though don't talk about that pi but he it wasn't i thought it was a bad call but he's super fast and he's going up against this guy jaylon adams I don't know if you've watched any of the highlights of his kick returns. Had three returns yeah, 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 last year. The, the monster like speed yeah, 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 yeah. They had Quez Watkins last year, who he's going to take over that role. Runs like a, this guy. I think is faster than Quez Watkins. At least plays faster. Uh, only forty-eight catch for four hundred eighty-five yards last year. But I'm I'm hoping for some big things, and I'm hoping that they. And regardless of the level of competition, if Robert Rochelle is going against speed like Jalen Adams yeah. has, it's going to be fun. It's going to provide a challenge. Hashtag. Should be fun to watch. Hashtag Saturday MTSU at army reap blankenship gets some love in draft communities what, yeah. what, what what are you looking for against army uh, he's gonna have to tackle i mean <laughs> it's not coverage against army and that's the thing is he was soft a little like he, he's like 196 is what he listed that not a great ta- not a great tackler that's probably his biggest weakness and so he's gonna have to tackle against army they're not gonna be throwing it a lot so that's what we're, i'm gonna be looking for in that one uh, he's yeah, I really believe he finished. In, I think inside the top ten in like force missed tackle percentage, like on the bad side of that yeah. top ten. Like he has he has struggled with missed tackles. And I think against Army, I feel like I hate. There's certain positions you hate watching against Army, like pass rushers and stuff. Like you're trying to actually look at like a guy like. Shot. But this guy, I think, has an opportunity to if he shows up in the box and ten tackles, no misses. Yeah. Like that's a huge yeah. uplift for him. And the interesting thing about Blankenship, and I'm going to get out ahead of this take. I think he should be a cornerback. I think that's his best position in the NFL. And if I was an NFL team drafting, you move him to cornerback, first white cornerback since Jason Seahorn, you, you got you got some new fans on board right there. I, maybe. I don't know. I, I feel like he needs to tackle first. Let's see what this guy does. I mean, that's the Army. thing. It's like the tackling thing. If it is a cornerback problem, is not yeah. as big a deal. No, that's I, true. I think he has the skills to play cornerback. 6'1", 196 would look much better at cornerback. This other game I'm a lot more excited for. I really like um, Reggie Roberson and Shane Buchel. Their SMU is going against Texas State. Roberson... I know you watched a ton of Prochet last year, but Roberson showed up a ton. And I thought I thought Roberson had a little bit more than what Prochet brought to the table. When Prochet got an invite to the Senior Bowl, I think I think I came away more impressed with Roberson than I did Prochet. Prochet Ooh. obviously had some really good contested catches. Yeah. I, I really liked his ball skills. But like I think Roberson actually had more opportunities where he was actually separating downfield. I, I could see Roberson he, have a really good year this year. Yeah, so he was the outside receiver there. He went for 250 against Temple, even though that Temple cornerback, he was torching like, might have been the worst college cornerback I've ever seen. He was just... Was, was he Temple was, Tough? He was just like, he was running in a straight line. He just ran a straight line. Red Roberson, he's not that fast. Like, he's probably a four or five flat guy. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's six foot, 200. He's not that fast. And this dude was probably about 10 yards behind him at the catch point. And just from just having to flip his hips and run with him. So that Yikes. cornerback was pretty rough. Don't draft that guy. That's my <laughs> take on him. But he, the, the better game for Roberson to watch is when he went up against TCU. Yep. Because he sauced Jeff Gladney on the slant and go, and he also mossed Trayvon Morig on a uh, on seam route up, the, uh, just out jumped him there. So he's got something. He's got a little something, and definitely more of an NFL body than James Prochet. Even though I love Prochet's ball skills, not not on Prochet's level with his ball skills, but. Uh, I'm interested to see what he does as kind of like the guy that Bouchel is going to because Bouchel is going to give you some chances. Mm-hmm. That dude slings it around. He the does yard. sling the rock, and he's he's the uh, he's the guy where you're like he's still in college football, and, and that's wild <laughs> to me because he his first game. Do you remember this was against Deshaun Kaiser? Uh, I think it was at Texas. Really, it was the OT game that Tyrone Swoops. Oh yeah, 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 had yeah. Like the they kept putting him in at the end, and he would uh, just wildcat. Yeah, wildcat it. That was his very first college football game. I feel so, so long that ago. Was exactly. <laughs> that, like I couldn't even believe that. Uh, like when I was looking up Bouchelle's history over the summer, I was like, "Oh my god, that was him!" Mm-hmm. So, twenty nine big time throws last year though for Bouchelle. I'm interested to see what he does. I don't think he's realistically like a, a big riser in the draft uh, process. I think we know it's what fine. he is at this point. Yeah, he's been in college fine. since like 2010. Uh, Arkansas State at Memphis. There's not a lot to love about Arkansas State. William Bradley King transferred to Baylor and that was easily oh, was their, the best best, yeah. their best player. But on Memphis's side, Demonte Coxie gets some love in draft communities and so does TJ Carter. And I like, of all the guys on Memphis, TJ Carter is my favorite. He's the guy that's graded really well yeah. in press coverage for us and he's, he's a smaller corner and you see that right off the bat, but like what he does to stick in coverage at Memphis, I think is impressive. And like you can, it's always hard to overlook size concerns and, and even maybe athleticism concerns. But with TJ Carter, the production has been yeah. very good at Memphis. Yeah, we've talked about him a ton. And the thing is, he's listed at five eleven. And if you're a cornerback in college football and they don't oh, no. list you at six foot, 
You're five eight. Like you're <laughs> tiny. You're fucking. You're, you're you're not even close to my Tinder bio 5'11. says five eleven. Yeah, exactly. If it says five eleven, you're not even close. Sorry, because if you were five eleven, they would give you six foot. You know, they better. So I think he's uh, quite a bit shorter than that, unfortunately. But I'm still a fan of his game. We've talked about that. The guy here to really watch those Kent Gainwell, the running back. He's maybe the best receiving running back in college football. Uh, had one of the highest receiving grades last year. And he's gone from 183, 183 pounds of freshman to now Kenneth Gainwell has opted out of the season, Mike. Has he? He's opted out of the season due to coronavirus concerns. I missed that. Yeah, sorry about that. But, I mean, talk to me more about him. Sorry. Well, It won't be fun to watch on Saturday. It's not going to be fun to watch on Saturday. How did I miss that? There's been so many that I have. Yeah, it's tough. Um, He's, like I said, he's probably the best team running back in college football. I mean, the draft, the thing he needed to do was just get bigger. Like, Mm -hmm. 195, that's what he shows up at the combine. I still think he's going to be... Uh, drafted probably day three at that point, but he has. If he could get to like two ten, he would be a day two running back. And then Demonte Coxie, wide receiver, back to back thousand yard seasons. But I think there's a reason why you know with all these playmakers at Memphis, uh, he did not declare as a junior. He's just no juice, no yeah. speed off the line of scrimmage. Kind you notice that very quickly guy. too, because you I, I've seen him grade well. Contested catch percentage has been good, and you turn yeah. on the tape and you're like, oh god, this guy can't you know create separation. He's not quick. He's not a, you know he's not elusive. He reminds me of Lil Jordan Humphrey from Texas, which is not yeah, a good like, which is not a good comp. Yeah, Lil Jordan Humphrey, his tape was honestly hard to watch, yeah. seeing how oh, slow over he was. A thousand yards, <laughs> like at Texas, racked up missed hack, broken tackles too. But just like there was no, he's like Juwan Jennings. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. You had to go. There. We'll see how Juwan Jennings. Juwan does. Jennings at least had some hips on him. He's yeah. he's well, a little stiff. All right. Monday we got BYU at Navy. I remember last year I was at the founder of PFF's house watching the Holy Roll, Ho- Holy War, BYU at Utah. I think is what it was. And uh, Matt Bushman was lighting it up. This guy was fantastic. He unfortunately won't be playing in this game. Because of uh, he's out for the season with an injury, but dude, twenty five years old, gonna turn twenty six next year. Does he come back? Does he get another year of eligibility and play at BYU again? Because this is easily the best prospect on BYU's team. He's like he might he made the best offensive player on BYU's team. Him and Brady Christensen. So the tackle Brady Christensen, they're both I think draftable. Bushman mm-hmm. though, at his age, and he's just like stiff. Like he's probably like in line fairly fast, but the dude just has no. Uh, sink to his hips. Ter- Terrell Burgess in that game locked him up quite a bit. And he, Terrell Burgess is small, like yeah. listed at 5'11", actually yeah. not. And so, going to be 26 years old, out for the season already. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes undrafted if he declares. Uh, Brady Christensen, though, is probably then the one to watch. Uh, not necessarily in this game because Navy's not necessarily bringing the best in terms of pass rushers. And Fair. His biggest weakness is that he's like barely scraping 300 pounds, no power to his game whatsoever. Uh that's not really going to get exposed against Navy. But if there is a guy to watch in this game, it's him. He was, he's a junior, but he's you know five years removed from high school. So, All right, that's going to do it for what's on tap. It was kind of a tough one, kind of picking what you can find yeah, out of these matchups. Yeah, that was not the best what's on tap. Um, I didn't well, like the beers we were served. It's However, up. It's like a... Yeah. Exponential curve. Exponential curve. College football week two. We're going to have some legit matchups, some legit prospects to watch on the What's on Tap segment. Um, But until next time, we're going to do a quick little break, get some reads in, get some sponsors in, and then we're going to jump to the Danny Kelly interview. Uh, Danny Kelly with the ringer. Let's jump to that. Promo code KICKOFF30 saves you 30% on any PFF subscription, including monthly and annual Edge slash Elite subscriptions and any of the college football subscriptions. Now through September 14th, 2020, prepare to win your fantasy drafts with PFF's Edge or Elite subscription, which contains all of the rankings, projections, cheat sheets, draft kit, etc. necessary to dominate your leagues. All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight, a new daily fantasy sports site, that put at least $20 in their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free, a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just $20. And you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. Go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free Edge annual subscription. Joining 241 Drafts is not Mike Renner. I do not have my co-host with me. Instead, I have the ringers, Danny Kelly. Danny, it's, it's great to have you on the pod. You've been on before with Mike and myself. Now, just me. I, I'm sorry to break it to you, but Mike cannot make it today. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, we'll miss Mike, but it's definitely good to talk to you again, man. 
Yeah, I mean, with Mike, he lives an interesting life. You know, Mike Renner, former Bachelorette contestant, kind of has his way with, uh, you know, what he does in life. And I think that leads him into some risky situations that, you know, eventually end up hurting him on the back end. However, we won't dive into that at all. And the reason I wanted to bring you on, not so much talk about the 2021 class. I'm tired of talking about opt-outs, man. I don't don't want to bring up more opt-outs. It sucks to see how many players. You just saw UCF. I don't know if you saw, but 11 players opting out on UCF squad. Like, it's going to be very interesting year for college football but with rookies specifically what's some of the buzz these training camp videos man inject them into my veins every single one feels incredible to see but what are some what's some of the buzz that you're hearing about rookies and some rookies that you're feeling good about after the draft now in a role where you might see decent enough volume for them having you know successful year one in in 2020 well before last week I would have been really excited about Jalen Rager with the Eagles because he was brutal just lighting it up in camp. Um, I think, I mean, he, so he had a, he had a labrum injury, I believe, and that'll keep him out a few weeks. So I think he's going to be able to come back and, and, and make a big impact in that offense. But obviously keep in mind first couple of weeks, I think he's going to be out, but um, it was cool to see him really establish himself, making a lot of big plays in that offense. Um, another sleeper actually, who's been making a lot of noise in, uh, in Philly is John Hightower out of Boise state. Oh, really? No, he's a big, uh, you know, I think he was a fifth rounder. He's a speedster, um, you know, kind of flew under the radar a little bit, but the, there's really good buzz out of, out of Philly right now with him. So he's a kind of, he's a guy to kind of keep in mind. I saw Jimmy Kemsky actually said he, he doesn't, he has a strong belief that that Hightower is going to play a role in week one. So, oh man. Um, I'm actually not surprised by that, though. I, I think yeah. I like John Hightower coming out of Boise State. I, I think yeah. he wasn't targeted enough, and he ran a very limited route tree. They wanted to push him downfield, push him downfield. But when he does get in a straight line, he can blow it up. I mean, he's a very fast, you know, yeah. straight line mover. And I think um, that, that that doesn't necessarily compl- uh, completely replace Jalen Rager's role. But sure. they wanted to add speed this offseason. That's obvious. Yeah. They wanted to add speed to that offense. And John Hightower, I think, does exactly that. So it'll be interesting to see if he does get a role. Another receiver I want to bring up, because I know yeah. you were – specifically high on this guy, uh, not so much as, you know, Mike and myself, but Brian Edwards out of South Carolina, yeah. who yeah. could very well could have a role given significant buzz coming out of Las Vegas right now. Everyone loves Henry Ruggs, second-year Clemson product, Hunter Renfro, but Brian Edwards making some plays. What's your opinion uh, of his potential impact in Las Vegas this year? Yeah, I think, you know what, I think he fits that offense really well. Um, you know, with the style of quarterback that Derek Carr is, who – you know, he's meticulous. He doesn't push the ball and he's, he's not a super aggressive passer. I think that um, having Edwards as like that starting X receiver, he can get open underneath. You know, he's a big body. He's a reliable target. Um, all the things that I really liked about him, honestly, before the draft, I think that's showing up in camp right now. It sounds like he's probably on pace to have a pretty big role. Tyrell Williams has uh, an, an injury. I think he's got a shoulder thing that's mm-hmm. potentially going to keep him out of games or at least limit him in games. Um, so yeah, Edwards, you know, I think the way he can use his size, way he, I think one of the things that's like underrated about him, I thought he was a really good route runner. And, um, so just getting him into that Gruden offense where he can be where he's supposed to be at the time he's supposed to be there. Um, so Derek Carr can just hit him. I think that's going to be a big part of it. There's some hot, you know, some hot takes out there that he'll actually score more fantasy points than rugs. I'm not sure if I'm I'm there. I think rugs is actually going to be pretty fun player in his rookie year especially you know um they, they they've got him lined up at the z i think they got him lined up in the slot he can do some really interesting things you know moving around the formation so i'm not quite ready to put edwards over rugs but i think i think it's it's indicative of edwards talent that he's already kind of being talked about as a potential starter i think that's really you know a, a good fit for him offensively too Starting with Edwards, I think he's going to fit into that Raiders offense as that bigger bodied possession receiver that Gruden likes to lean on when he isn't, you know, targeting the slot or targeting his new speedster, Henry Ruggs. So I do think his skill set, I didn't love his separation ability. I didn't see him as an elite separator in this class, specifically on valuable routes, winning routes downfield. A ton of his production was on screens and underneath routes, but. But John Gruden and Derek Carr love a good underneath route. I talk to Bruce Gradkowski all the time, a PFF analyst and former Raiders quarterback. They run quick game up there with the most in the NFL. Like they love quick game. They love getting the ball out quick. And Brian Edwards, like you said, does well with the ball in his hands, you know, a ton of production on screens and gets open underneath. And with rugs, everyone's, I remember the joke coming out with rugs was that Derek Carr never throws downfield. Why would you add a guy with his speed, a vertical threat? Dude, Henry Ruggs is also going to run a ton of underneath routes. He did totally. not run a ton totally. of deep 
he didn't run a necessarily vertical route tree at Alabama. He only had a handful of receptions, 20-plus air yards downfield. Henry Ruggs is going to do a lot with the ball in his hands, running slants and getting open underneath. So I think this offense... As much as they want to be explosive down the football field, Derek Carr's not that guy. He's one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, top three over the past three years, and he does it by not throwing the ball downfield. Very similar to Drew Brees in that way. Um, let's talk running backs a little bit. Cam Akers maybe working with the ones there in Los Angeles. Antonio Gibson getting some hype with the Washington football team. Who are some rookie running backs that you feel are now through training camp playing themselves into a significant role in 2020? I think Akers is the is the guy that I'm maybe most excited about. I mean, obviously, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor are going to have big roles with their respective teams. <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the hype around this guy. <laughs> this guy better freaking cure cancer in 2020 <laughs> because I don't know if he's going to be able to live up to it unless he's like a 2,000-2,000 player. I, I am abs- It's absurd how much the fantasy community and everyone really wants to get on board the Hilaire train. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I, but honestly, like I'm really, really high on Cam Akers too. I think he has a chance to carve out a big, very important role. And for fantasy purposes, like, you know, he's going to be involved in the screen game. He's going to get over the last few years, as, over the last three years, the Rams have given their running backs like more inside the five yard line rushes than like any team. It's Gurley mm-hmm. led the NFL in 2017 and 2018. And then he was like fifth last year. Um, and I think Akers has more juice than Gurley at this point. That's not even really like – that's not a hot take to say. Uh, <laughs> more knees, better knees, that's for damn sure. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a little bit of – I guess there's a little concern because there hasn't been like a ton of hype around Akers yet. Um, but I think just the fact that Daryl Henderson has a knee – or a hamstring injury is going to give him the opportunity to get a big workload. Uh, Malcolm Brown will probably be involved. He's not going to get 100% of the carries, but I think Akers is going to be end up being kind of like running away with that starting job. And uh, one of my bold takes on the Roman Fantasy Football Show the other day was that Akers is going to be this year's Aaron Jones and just oh wow, just go off a ton of touchdowns, just a shitload of scoring. That's possible. I think that the reasons I have reservations with Akers are the offensive line play in Los Angeles. I do not expect the Rams to tout a very good offensive line, specifically on the interior this upcoming season. But, but... If there's any back, any rookie back that knows how to deal with a shitty offensive line, it is Cam Akers. No running back in college football over the past two seasons was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage more on a higher percentage of their carries than Cam Akers. This dude had tough sledding the whole way through. And I think what Mike and I were really impressed with him about was forced autonomous tackles, created a ton of space with his speed and his quickness. Former five-star, one of the most coveted recruits to go to Florida State, really, one of the top running back recruits. I think give him a fair shake, which I don't know if the Rams' offensive line can do, but we'll see. (laughs) Give him a fair shake in the trenches and 70%, 60% snap share. You could talk about a legit back that you know surprises people who's not drafted necessarily early in rounds. Staying on running backs, and I know these aren't rookies here, but Divina Zigbo, and Chris Thompson yeah. have some opportunities now that Leonard Fournette has been released. Divine Zigbo, I thought a lot of people really liked, I think, coming out of the 2019 NFL draft. However, obviously went undrafted. But yeah. I think a high-cut runner, he's a bigger back. You complement that with Chris Thompson. Do you have high expectation for a Zigbo? I wouldn't say high. But I, I, <laughs> I don't think anyone would. <laughs> yeah, but I am, I am like trying not to get too excited about it. I actually think it is pretty interesting because – um, if you go back and look at his college tape, I mean, you know, he's got good feet. Like he, he showed the ability to make, uh, tap, you know, make tacklers miss with his feet. Good, you know, good lateral agility, uh, jump cuts, things like that. He's a good pass catcher. Um, obviously a good size. I think he's like 225. So he has that um, early down like body type that could really kind of dominate snaps. You know, Rayquel Armstead is, I don't know. He He's, got some speed he's got some breakaway ability but i don't know if he's like a really a grinder in the sense that you're going to give it to him like 20 20 times a game 25 times a game i don't know if that's really like what he does so we'll Mm -hmm. see i mean maybe maybe that's what he can do in the nfl um but i would say i lean ozigbo in this case i think chris thompson's going to be the third town the third down guy but i think ozigbo has a real chance here and um especially with armstead's been dealing with an injury so it it might be moot regardless Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't love Ozigbo coming out. I think comps 
for him. I think uh, like a lot of people mentioned Latavius Murray. I feel like he was a similar back to Latavius Murray in that I don't think necessarily is this explosive back that he was in like his first game. I remember that Chiefs game, Chiefs Raiders, Latavius Murray breaks off like a 75 yarder. People <laughs> thought he was just like the next big back, but I think similar build and similar play style. It'll be interesting to see how that backfield is split up because I think there's a ton of reasons to make it. A, a by committee situation. Thompson gets involved, a Zigbo, Armstead, and you never really see one of the backs get, you know, 250, you know, 300 carries yeah. or whatever it may be. Um, going to the defensive side of the ball, recently, you know, Las Vegas Raiders released Prince of Mukumura after getting toasted by Hunter Renfro on that comeback that kind of dominated the internet for a little bit. But then, what do you think that means for Damon Arnett? Because Damon Arnett was a surprise first rounder on the athletics consensus board was the biggest reach or one of the biggest reach reaches of the draft. Do you think David Arnett, knowing what you know from his play at Ohio State, could develop into a quality outside cornerback opposite of Trayvon Mullen in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think he's got a chance. Um, very athletic. I actually, so I'm just looking at my board. I had him 35th, so I don't. I, it wasn't like a huge, huge reach. In, oh wow! According to mine, mm-hmm. um, I was very impressed with him. Um, you know, again, he has good ball skills, good athleticism. I just think the tools are there. Maybe he didn't really put it all together in college, but clearly they, they feel confident in him um, enough to, you know, make that move. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, I, I feel like it's so difficult to project rookie corners, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it would, it wouldn't surprise me. Honestly, I don't want to say, I don't want to get like too excited because it wouldn't surprise me if he really struggles in year one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say I do. I like his, I like his tenacity. I like his, his like on field demeanor, his athleticism. And his his just overall makeup, I think it you know he's he got experience against really good receivers, and so um, yeah, it, his press technique is really good. I, I love his press technique. I thought he was coached really well at Ohio State, and obviously has that that aggressive demeanor you see you know when he's playing the slot or whatever it was. I, I really do think he played the you know played the run well, which you don't really bring up with cornerbacks, but he's an aggressive physical player. I, I think Mayock with loves that. Uh, I bet you Mayock. Well, Gruden loves it too. But I I think with rookie cornerbacks, I'm glad you brought that up because I think there's a best-case scenario for rookie cornerbacks like nine times out of ten is just not giving up a ton of explosive plays. If you give up a ton of big plays – you're going to end up in a DeAndre Baker situation where it's a disaster. You know, you're getting a ton of snaps early and maybe you're not giving up 10 receptions a game, but giving up big plays to, you know, small receivers or, you know, quicker, more athletic receivers could be, could hurt him. I think early, we'll see how Damon Arnett plays out. Danny, this has been fantastic. I don't have anything else for you, but I I really do appreciate you coming on the pod next time. I'm telling you, Mike Renner's going to be on this thing, but uh, thanks again, as always. Of course, man. I really appreciate it. 